are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. So you share, you share the planet with 7.4 billion people. Think about that. Last week I mentioned to you that every second four babies are born, every second. And every second about two people die. And so there is a net gain in the population every second of about two people. So the world's population increases every second by about two people. It just happens all day long, all night long. The world net population increases by two. And so we are here on Memorial Day weekend realizing that we are citizens of the United States of America. But we would also tell you that we belong to another kingdom, a kingdom that is not of this world. We are members, citizens of the kingdom of God. And so in light of all of these other people who live on this planet with us, here's the question I want you to answer before you leave here today. You ready for the question? Here it is. What does it mean to be the people of God? So if I say to you, so you're like God's people, right? I mean, that's who's come together today. You are the people of God. So what does that mean to be the people of God. What does that mean in everyday life? So to answer that question, let's go to our Bibles, to the book of Exodus chapter 20, okay? And we'll start reading with verse 1, Exodus chapter 20, verse 1. So here's what is going on. Moses and the people of Israel are at the desert of Sinai, and they are before the mountain of Mount Sinai. And there is thundering, and there is lightning, And there is a loud trumpet blast and there is a very thick cloud. And here's what the Word of God says. And God spoke all these words. You ready? So here's the first commandment. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Second commandment. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord your God, am jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of their parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Here's the next commandment. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses His name. Next commandment. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but He rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Next commandment. And the tone changes. And the direction changes. To this point He's been talking about your relationship with Him, with God. Now He begins to focus on your relationships with your neighbors. And it begins with the first relationship in your life, your relationship with your mother and father, okay? Honor your father and your mother 
so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Next commandment, you shall not murder. Next commandment, you shall not commit adultery. Next commandment, you shall not steal. Next commandment, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. The tenth commandment, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant or his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. So when God finished speaking, the people saw the thunder and the lightning. They heard the trumpet and they saw the mountain and the smoke. They trembled with fear. And they stayed at a distance and they said to Moses, Hey, from now on, can we do it this way, Moses? Could you just speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. But Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be in you, with you, and keep you from sinning. But the people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. Wow. I mean, just just let your imagination go for a minute. You are a citizen of the nation of Israel. You are standing in the desert of Sinai, and you are looking at this mountain, and there is thunder, and there is lightning, and there is smoke, and there is fire, and you hear yourself the voice of God. And He says, this is how I want you to live. And you are trembling in fear. You don't know if you're going to live or die in this moment. God speaks to His people. So, let me, let me ask you this. In regard to this question we're kind of working through today, what does it mean to be the people of God? Is this where you would start the conversation? What I read to you just now, is, is this what it means to be the people of God? So, so would you ever say to somebody, uh, okay, what does it mean to be the people of God? Well, we, we are people who, by the power of the Holy Spirit that works in us, and by the new birth that we experience because of Jesus, um, we are people who are intentional about our relationship with God. And therefore, we have no gods before us, none. We don't worship any idol in any way, whether it's money or sex or pleasure or anything else. And we would never misuse the name of God. And we have one day of the week that we treat different than any other day of the week. And we honor relationships. And we begin with the first relationships in our lives, the relationships with our mother and our father. And we would never murder anyone because we value life. And we live sexually pure. And we would never steal from anyone. And we would never lie to anyone. And we don't chase after what everybody else has thinking that that's going to bring us joy in our lives. Is that what it means? To be the people of God? Would you start the conversation there and say, well, 
this is, this is part of the conversation. This is how we live as people of God. What about your, your culture that you live in? How would, they, how would they deal with the first commandment? No other gods before you. Would you say, oh, no, oh, no, that's not my culture because my culture has all kinds of other gods in front of them, whether it is God of money or the God of sex or the God of pleasure or the God of work or, or whatever. And, and, and they certainly misuse the name of God. I mean, when I just turn on the television, I hear the name of God being misused horribly. And Sunday is like any other day. There's, there's no day of the week that people say this is a day for worship and a day for rest. It's just, it's just another day. And I don't know about the whole honoring mom and dad kind of thing. I know that every time, every time I turn on the news, somebody has killed somebody. You know what I did when I got out of my car a while ago before I walked across the parking lot? I turned around and I pointed my fob toward the car and I hit the lock button. You know what we did before we left our house this morning? We locked the doors. We lock everything we own. Do you lock everything you own? How many of you locked your car when you got out of it this morning? How many of you, your houses are locked right now? Why do you lock everything up? Because we live in a culture where we assume that people might want to steal from us. And we live in a culture where that we chase after everything everybody else has, thinking maybe, just maybe, we'll find happiness and joy if we have some of the stuff that everybody else has. And God says, not you. You don't live that way. You live by another code. You are my people. And I call you to a different life and a different standard and a different way of living out your life. Because you are my people. And this is part of the conversation of what it means to be the people of God. So let's talk about this passage for a little bit, okay? Um, so the book of Exodus is, um, is only 40 chapters long. And it's really split kind of in half right down the middle. So here's what the first half of the book talks about. It talks about a nation of people involved in an exodus, meaning that all of these people together leave this land and they go to this other place to live. It's the exodus. And that's what the first half of the book is about. You remember how they got there, right? We were in the Joseph series a couple of weeks ago and Joseph has been stockpiling, stock, stockpiling food for seven Years And he invites his father and all of his brothers, who God calls Israel, his father Jacob, come and live here. And they live in the land of Goshen and they multiply. Years have passed and now Joseph is dead and all of his brothers are dead. And there's a king who Joseph means nothing to. And one day he looks up and he says, look at all the Israelites. They continue to multiply. There's just so many of them. One of these days, there's going to be more of them than us. If they ever decide to unite with our enemies, they could overtake us. And so he puts slave masters over all the people of Israel, and they become slaves to Egypt. And what the first half of the book of Exodus is about, God delivering all of his people from this slavery. Now, when you get to the second half of the book, where we are now, it's about God establishing institutions, laws, and worship for his nation. 
So what do you mean by institutions? Like God said, there will be three festivals and you will celebrate them in Jerusalem. This is the way you will live so you never forget what I've done. Laws, like giving the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai and also the other commands that He gives in the next few chapters. Worship. He's very clear about this is how you will worship. And that's what the book of Exodus is about. So here's what happens. It's a great story. So, when they leave Egypt, all of the slavery that they've been involved in, they finally, on the third month, the first day of the third month, they come to the desert of Sinai. And when they get to the desert of Sinai, God begins to speak to Moses. And He says to him, You have seen what I did back in Egypt, right? You saw how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Don't you love that image? God carries the people of Israel out of slavery on eagles' wings. Do you remember a sermon I preached not long ago about eagles' wings? Do you remember that? Hands are all over the room. If you just look around, there's... No one remembers that sermon. Do any of you wish my sermons were more memorable? Would you raise your hand? So God says, I carried you on eagles' wings. I brought you out of Egypt. Remember what I did? Now, here's what I think we ought to do, Moses. We should change the way that we relate to each other. We should enter into a deeper relationship. And so here's what he says. I want to enter into a covenant relationship with you. Now, we understand covenant because um, some of you are married or you know people who are married very well. Um, and so the whole idea of covenant is where, where there's a promise and a command. So you make me a promise and I'll make you a promise and we'll live according to that, okay? So what God does is He says to Moses, we should enter into a covenant with one another. And it involves a command and a promise. And here's the command. If you will fully obey my commands and if you will keep my covenant, here's what I'm going to do. Out of all the other nations on earth, you, Israel, will be my treasured possession. What's in it this? God says, I'll make a deal with you, a covenant with you, okay? If you will obey all of my commands and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations on earth, you're going to be special to me. You're going to be my treasured possession. That's what you'll be to me. And so all the people said, we're in. Three days later, standing in front of this mountain, the mountain begins to tremble. Lightning begins to hit in the sky. There is roars of thunder. There is a loud trumpet sound. The fire of God descends on the mountain. There is smoke everywhere. The mountain is shaking. People are shaking because they're afraid. And all of a sudden, out of the air, the voice of God responds to Moses. Think about this. And God begins to give His Word. Um, you ever wonder why God gives the law? So why does God say, here's a list of commandments... And after those commandments, God says, here's some more commandments for you. Kind of a knee-jerk reaction is that God wanted to make sure that His people were distinct from all the other nations of the world. Okay? So you're going to be different. You're going to live different. You're going to walk different. You're going to talk different. You're going to act differently. You will be different. You will be set apart from all the other nations of the world. But it wasn't like one day... 
I think we think this about our parents, that God just sat down and he just said, okay, I'm going to come up with a list of rules and you're going to follow those. And, and, that, and that way everybody will say, well, look how different these people live. They're obviously the people of God. That, that's not what God said. I remember when I was a kid, I used to think, my parents must just sit around and dream up rules for me to live by, right? No, God, God is simply saying this. I am God and I am holy. And the commandments that I give you are a reflection of my holiness. And I'm not just dreaming up a list of rules for you to live by. Here's what I'm doing. I'm giving you the way to live that reflects who I am. And when the world sees the way that you live your life, they're going to realize you're different than anybody else. And so I want you to have no other God, just one God. The nations around you worship all of these idols. You won't do that. And my name will be precious and holy to you. And my day will be precious and holy to you. And when it comes to the way that you relate to everybody else, you're going to be different. You will honor all relationships, beginning with your mother and beginning with your father. And you will value human life and you will value sexual purity. And you won't steal from anybody. And you won't lie to people. And you won't chase whatever your neighbor has thinking that it's going to bring you joy and happiness. This is the way you'll live. So we'll talk about what that means for a minute. I I have a friend that I made when I moved here. And he said to me one day, um, as we were getting to know each other, do you know that my father died when when I was young? And I said, no. I don't, I don't think you've told me about that. He said, well, my dad was 56. And he said, uh, I, was, I was 13 when he was 56. Now, I'm 54 and my daughters are 28 and 22. He said, I came along really late in my dad's life. But when he was 56, he died. So he tells me this story about his dad becoming very weak and he's at home in a hospital bed that he would die in. And my dad wanted to talk to me. My sisters, he said, were much older. My one sister was 18 years older than me. And so they bring me in, and I'm 13 years old, and they stand me at my dad's bedside, and I stand there looking at my dad, and he says, I I don't know how long I will be able to have a conversation with you, but I want to talk to you, and this may be the last time I can really talk to you. And so he says, 13 years old, standing at the bedside of my dying father. He tells me he loves me. He tells me he's proud of me. He talks to me a little bit. He doesn't have a lot of wind capacity to talk long, but he communicates those things. And then he says, there are two things that I want to say to you, okay? Ask of you. He says, okay. He says, first thing, I want you to take care of your mother. So a 13-year-old boy, I want you to take care of your mother. He says, will you do that for me? Will you promise me you'll take care of your mother? And he said, I stood there by my dad's bedside, and I said, yes, Daddy, I'll take care of Mom. Okay. Second thing, I want you to meet me in heaven. Will you promise me? that you'll meet me in heaven. Will you live your life in such a way we honor God? Will you meet me in heaven? Can you promise me that? 
And he said, 13-year-old boy sent him by my dying father's bed. I said, I promise, Daddy, I'll meet you in heaven. He said to his son, there's two things that really matter to me. One is your relationship with the Father. Okay? The second thing that's really important to me is your relationships with people beginning with your mother. Those are the things that are important in life. When God speaks to His people and He talks about what's important, He talks about focusing and being intentional on our relationship with Him, that there will be no other gods before us, that we will not have any idols in our lives, that we will not misuse His name, that we will remember His day and keep it holy. And then He talks about our relationships with one another, that we will honor all relationships, beginning with mother and father, and that we will not do anything that hinders anyone's life, that we will value life and that we will value sexual purity and that we will live in such a way that we will not steal from one another and we will not lie to one another and we will not covet what one another has. These are the things that are important. Now, when you get to Mark, if you want to flip in your Bible to chapter 12, okay? In the New Testament, Mark chapter 12, I'm going to begin reading with verse 28. Jesus is one day being questioned by a bunch of people, some Sadducees. And one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given a good answer. He asked him, of all the commandments, okay? And he's not just talking about the Ten Commandments, but everything, God, that you have said is important. Of all the commandments, which is the most important one? So, God, what really matters in this life, what's really important, or Jesus, rather, and Jesus answered, the most important one is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And in Matthew, Jesus is recorded to have said, all of the law, all of the prophets hang on these two commandments. Here's the bottom line. To be the people of God means that it has a direct effect on the way that we treat others and live in relationship with others. It's not just about our relationship with God. It is about our relationship with the 7.4 billion people who live on the face of the earth. Sometimes I think it's really simple. Sometimes I think it's just this. Do people matter to you? The person that's sitting down to your right, the person sitting over on your left, the person that you'll stand beside at a gas pump today, the person that will take your order in a restaurant, does that person matter? Do you value their life and their stuff? people matter so I think we have to talk about one thing before we go and here's what it is when, when, when God says to the people of Israel if you will just keep my commandments and obey them fully 
then you will be my treasured possession above all other nations. Do you have a moment where you kind of go, wait, wait a minute? So what, what does that mean about everybody else in the world? Israel's like God's favorite. I mean, he is their treasured possession. What does that mean? And, and so what about all the other nations of the world, although we didn't exist as a nation then? What about all the other nations that did exist? How does God feel about everybody else? Where does that leave us if Israel is so special? In the heart of God, the love was always for the world, for God so loved the world. But here's what he said, I need a nation, I need a people that I can bless the world through. And so God has calculated... (laughs) In his mind, it wasn't that Israel is better or special in some way or that I love Israel more. I'm looking for a nation that I can bless the whole world through. And it starts back with Abraham when God says, Abraham, count the stars in the sky. You can't, can you? Count the the, the sand in the seashore. You can't. That's how many descendants I'm going to give you. And I'm going to bless the whole world through you. All the nations of the world is going to be blessed through Israel, Abraham. And when you trace the genealogy back, where do you trace it all the way back to? Jesus. The whole world is going to be touched by the nation of Israel. So in the heart of God, He calls us to this different way of life, this countercultural way of living. Because He is holy. You should reflect my character and my nature. And you will live this way. And as you do, the whole world will be blessed through you. That's the idea. So let me, let me try to give you a picture. Rick, you mind coming up real quick and just taking a few minutes to, uh, to chat with me? I am looking for a microphone, and here's one over here. So you just got back from a trip, and there's probably some pictures on the slides that will be just kind of rotating as we talk. But you went to the Native American um, uh, district uh, near Phoenix, Arizona, with a team of people from the church. And uh, you want to just kind of talk to me a little bit about some of the things that you did while you were there? Sure. Uh, it was a, a great opportunity. Can you hear me? Just, uh... There we go. Is that better? Thank you. Okay. All right. Um, it was a great opportunity. Um, uh, I had been out on the reservation. I used to live in, in Phoenix and had been through the reservation, but it was a, an opportunity to actually spend some time there. And we did a number of different projects. Uh, a picture there is a vinyl tile floor that we put into the uh, Twin Buttes Church of the Nazarene there. And Carter Marsh uh, headed that up and showed me how to lay vinyl tile flooring, so I learned a new skill. And it was fun. It looked beautiful when we were finished. Um, There was a compassionate ministry going on uh, where they were preparing food and taking it out in vans onto the streets of of Gallup. There's a large uh, homeless population largely due to the uh, extreme addiction of alcohol and and drugs. And that's a cycle that has been passed down from generation to generation. And Ellen Marsh was uh, leading a group to teach Celebrate Recovery 
uh, that program to the leaders on the, the district there, which hopefully will have a, a significant impact on that, that cycle. So in all of your, all of your time there, uh, is there a, a kind of a highlight or something that kind of stands out uh, in your mind? Yeah, even though we were involved in the construction aspect, uh, one afternoon on Wednesday afternoon, we had finished up and we were able to go out. I was able to go out with the group uh, on the van in a driving rainstorm into the streets of Gallup uh, to hand out hot dogs and uh, a warm cup of, of soup. And, um, you know, we were finding people in various places just out on the street. And uh, Damien Santa Maria was one that was with us. And uh, a lot of you probably know Damien's story, and he comes from a, a similar background of, of uh, addiction. And God has done great things in his life. And to see Damien go out in this rainstorm, find somebody laying uh, on the street beside a building, and kneel down beside them, I, I, I told Damien when he got back in, I, I actually saw the face of Jesus in him as he did that. And it, it was just very moving to me. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much, Rick, for sharing. I, I think that, that what I wanted to say to you was simply this, that in the heart of God, he, he desires that his people reflect his nature. But, but the idea, God being very calculated, has always had in his heart that, that his people. And so when I look at you this morning, I'm looking at the people of God. And in the heart of God, he is saying that, that it's very important that you impact the world. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead you and guide you and all of those kinds of things. But my ultimate goal is that I'm going to bless the world through you. And so we have teams that are going all over the place. We have people going to Paraguay this summer. We have people going to Africa this summer. And we commission people going, <laughs> I don't know how many places this summer. And so when we think about doing those things, it's a matter of saying that we understand that we are part of God's comprehensive plan. And so to be the people of God is to have a direct correlation with how we view other people. And the investment that we make in people's lives, believing in our hearts that God calls us as the people of God to fill this sense of responsibility when it comes to humanity and the way that we relate to them and the way that we interact in their lives and the way that we relate in our relationships with others. So that's what it means to be a really good neighbor, is to be the people of God. You, you want to stand with me? I want to pray for you, okay? So, Father, this morning we're very grateful for your word and it has given great light to us as we think about what it means to be your people. This world is full of people and the number grows every day. And we feel a sense of responsibility. We think about the people that are just around us now. People in our community. People in this city. What is it that you ask of us? And so as we travel to places like Arizona and Paraguay and Africa and Indiana, let us truly be your people, reflecting your nature and letting it influence the way that we interact with others. 
pray these things in Jesus' name. You know, uh, when we come together, uh, I feel like I ought to say this morning that uh, we'll sing this prayer of commitment this morning together, but you can always pray here too for any reason. So feel that freedom, okay? I'm laying down my life. I'm giving up control. I'm never looking back. I surrender all. I'm living for your glory on the earth. This passion in my heart, this stirring in my soul.
So receive this blessing. May, may the love of God and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.